Music, news, talk, and sports. WQKR Portland, 1270 AM and 101.7 FM. And now, Portland's news brought to you by Portland Natural Gas. Parents of students at one Sumner County school were surprised to receive an alert Tuesday afternoon after an incident during school hours. A student at Beach High School now faces disciplinary action after a gun was found in his backpack. A school resource officer and another administration member searched the student in question within minutes and found the gun. Officials say no threats were made against the school or any students. That student with the gun will now face charges from local law enforcement along with disciplinary action from the school district. One Beach High School parent reached out to a Nashville television station saying she had not been alerted to the incident until a message was sent out to all parents Tuesday evening. She questioned why the parents weren't alerted sooner since the incident happened during school hours. A Sumner County school spokesperson said school administration and the Sumner County Sheriff's Department completed a full threat assessment following district protocol. Sumner County school officials say a student reported to the administration that they believed another student had something dangerous in a backpack. Hendersonville is getting a new fire station to improve response times in a growing part of the city. Crews at fire station number seven will serve more than 1,000 families. That is expected to lower response times for the neighborhoods north of the bypass. The new $5.3 million station will cover 9,000 square feet and be located across the street from Knox Doss Middle School. It will include a separate office for Hendersonville Police and will also be used to store equipment. The city hosted a ceremony Tuesday to mark the start of the project. Two women are dead after a Monday afternoon shooting in Hendersonville. The Hendersonville Police Department identified the victims as 60-year-old Laura Undis and Virginia Deidre Sheen, 67. Police said Good Samaritans detained 72-year-old Lloyd Martin, Jr. until officers arrived. He was then arrested and now faces two counts of first-degree murder and one count of aggravated assault. Sheen, a neighbor, tried to intervene when Martin pulled out a pistol and began shooting. Police said they found Undus and Sheen in the front yard when they arrived. Both died after being taken to Hendersonville Medical Center. Police believe Martin and Undus had been having a relationship that apparently had ended. The investigation is ongoing and anyone with information on the shooting is asked to call the Hendersonville Police Department. A woman accused of murdering her fiancé nearly three years ago in Old Hickory has been arrested. Metro Police said 41-year-old Gloria Avila was arrested Sunday in El Paso, Texas. An indictment alleges she killed her fiancé, 44-year-old Ismael Rodriguez, in September 2019 in Old Hickory. His skeletal remains were later found in Kentucky. For convenience and cost efficiency, a gas-heated home is your natural choice with natural gas provided by Portland Natural Gas. When you have natural gas in your home, you can have savings in your bank account. Natural gas is the most efficient energy source and can save you up to hundreds of dollars a year compared to other fuels. So for the energy cost you can live with, make the natural choice. Natural gas from Portland Natural Gas. For more information, call 325-6776. Portland's news has been brought to you by Portland Natural Gas. While the hosts and guests on this program are encouraged to express their views, they do not necessarily reflect those of the ownership or management of WQKR. Good afternoon, Portland and Sumner County. I'm Len Asante. This is The Loyal Opposition, the show where you hear the other half of the story. 
You're listening to WQKR. It is 5.05 p.m., 83 degrees at the Portland Municipal Airport. Weather tonight expected to be clear with a low of 60 degrees. This afternoon, we're going to talk about the continuing saga of the County Commission District 13 tied race. We are going to talk about a new group forming in Sumner County to take on Moms for Liberty, because moms are really against liberty, actually, as it turns out. Uh, we're going to talk about how new county commissioners are taking um, credit for a fire hall that they didn't even have a vote on because they weren't even elected yet. And then we're going to have our special guest, Alyssa Hansen from the Tennessee AFL-CIO. Let's get started with the loyal opposition. Story number one, the continuing saga of the County Commission District 13. Listeners, as you know, the election earlier in August ended in a tie vote in County Commission District 13, both candidates receiving 389 votes. Okay, the outgoing commission punted the decision on what to do to the new commission, and uh, the new commission is expected to vote to, of course, appoint the Republican instead of the Democrat. Uh, we are, of course, here at the loyal opposition in favor of the people deciding and uh, having a runoff election, but that does not look like it's going to happen. Okay, let's look at some of the arguments that people are using both for and against this. Um, of course, the, law, the Tennessee law does allow the county commission to vote. That is definitely true. Um, um, but that's not the only option. A runoff is an option as well, according to state law. And that runoff, runoff would cost $0 because it would occur during the already scheduled November general election. Okay. Right. Uh, other, also, the county commissioners will argue that the vote that the county is overwhelmingly Republican and so that justifies appointing another Republican to the county commission. The counter to that argument, of course, is the county is over 30% Democrat okay, and over 20% people of color. So it would be useful at least to have one such person on a county commission of what is otherwise 24, mostly, uh, mostly male, all white people. Okay? Uh, it would be useful, and uh, we believe that Brenda Dotson would do a better job representing that particular district due to the demographic makeup of the people who live there. Anyway, others have argued we need to move quickly and not leave the seat open until November because uh, the, the representatives of District 13, the, the citizens of District 13, deserve a voice. Um, and that a seat, open seat would result in chaos at the county commission. Right. Well, Probably not chaos. It's only two months, and I think we'd survive. In fact, we've had a vacancy in the county commission since April uh, with Mo Taylor's seat, and we have somehow managed to struggle along without filling that seat immediately. Mm -hmm. So I think we can probably survive until November. Interestingly enough, also sources tell me that uh, the local Sumner County Republican Party Executive Committee and uh, the Speaker of the House of Representatives Office have both been telling local Republicans to support the Republican candidate and support the county commission vote over the, over the runoff election option because they want, more to do the, they want people to do the Republican thing and vote in more Republicans. Well, again, as we said, the county does have at least 30% Democrat votes and uh, the people should decide this election. Here it is, folks. The party that wants less government interference won't let people decide who gets elected. It's just that simple. A candidate who says, let the people decide on her website will be chosen by 23 folks on the county commission, not, not the people of District 13. Tell your county commissioners you favor a runoff. What's the easiest thing to do, how to, how to do that? I've got two things for you. Number one, go to DotsonForDistrict13.com. That is Dotson, D-O-T-S-O-N, for District 13. That's the numerals one and three, dot com. And sign the petition urging the county commission to vote for a runoff. Idea number two, visit our Facebook page at LoyalOppo on Facebook.com. You will find the addresses, the email addresses of every single incoming Sumner County Commissioner. Email them. Tell them to vote for a runoff. Let the people decide this is democracy. 
whoever wins the election in November will be the legitimate representative of the district of District 13. So let's make that happen, folks. Let's sign that petition and let's send in those emails. Item number two, we have a new group forming in Sumner County, my sources tell me. Word on the street is that a group uh, is being developed to counter the effects of the recently formed quote-unquote Moms for Liberty group that has formed in Sumner County, an offshoot of a group that originally formed in Williamson County, because we know that everyone in Sumner County wants to be just like everyone in Williamson County. So we have to have that. Uh, Anyway, uh, this group, which currently does not have a name yet, is going to be designed to be a pro-library group, a pro-school librarian group, and will be designed to counter the anti-library rhetoric and policies supported by Moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty is not um, for liberty, as it seems, because they want to censor what our teachers and librarians do in class. Uh, They want to have control over curriculum. They want to have control over textbooks. They want to have control over the books that are in the library. They want to see a list of every item that a teacher has in the classroom. Uh, And that obviously runs counter to good education policy and runs counter to the idea of liberty. Experts in the field of library science and education should be allowed to do their job without interference. The new group is being formed to promote that message. More on that story as it develops. And we've got one more for you before our first break. And we recently had a groundbreaking in Sumner County in uh, the northern parts of Hendersonville for a new fire hall. Greatly needed and will definitely help save lives. Uh, the loyal opposition is four square in favor of fire halls and police stations and first responders. Okay. The interesting thing here is that the pictures of the event growing around the social media showed a lot of the new county commissioners in attendance at that groundbreaking. In fact, one, one of them pictures showed several of them holding the gold shovels. This is taking credit where no credit is due, in my humble opinion. The decision to build that fire hall was not the decision of those county commissioners, nor was it the decision of any county commissioners. It was decided by the people, uh, by the aldermen of the city of Hendersonville. Okay, why would county commissioners care about a fire hall being built outside the county limits or inside the city limits? Well, think about it this way. The county does not support fire suppression efforts. We have only volunteer fire departments in Sumner County outside the, the city limits, Those volunteer fire departments, if you ask any of them, are dramatically underfunded. And with the increasing growth outside the city limits in Sumner County, that just increases the danger of of a dangerous fire. Now, what we've got is what's called a mutual aid agreement. And the mutual aid agreement says, okay, and this is just a handshake, there's nothing on paper here. The agreement basically says that, hey, if you have a structure fire or other emergency and your equipment isn't enough to handle it, then the town next door comes and helps. Okay? However, that is, like I said, a handshake agreement. It is unwritten, um, and it is not as effective as a full-fledged mutual aid agreement would be where the city dispatches at the same time as the county volunteer fire department dispatches. This has the potential to save lives. Also, it has the potential to save lives is for Sumner County to realize that it has over 200,000 people in it, and it's time to develop a professional firefighting force for the county. Uh, One wonders if the current county commission would ever fund such an endeavor, considering they are opposed to any sort of funding for schools, for example. And if they are against increasing funding for schools, I think they probably are going to be against increased funding for fire halls. One Hendersonville alderman told me that they are angry that the county still won't change their fire, fire, firefighting infrastructure. The cities are taking on more and more responsibility, which means their taxpayers are paying the burden. Sumner County needs to develop a professional firefighter force and needs to develop more formal mutual aid agreements with the cities And, of course, this takes money, and we don't think the county commission is going to do that. So hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. The county commission will step up, do the right thing, 
and we can get some of those uh, we can get some of those insurance rates, those home insurance rates in the county down. The better fire protection you have, the less you pay in fire insurance each year. And you, the lower the number, the better the rating, and that's what we want. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have our special guest, Alyssa Hansen. The Sumner County Anti-Drug Coalition, an organization dedicated to ending drug abuse, is now the Sumner Prevention Coalition. But their goal is the same, helping Sumner County residents with drug abuse problems turn their lives around and get on the road to recovery. Their mission is to unite people with vision, commitment, and resources to provide solutions to eliminate substance abuse and make a difference for youth, families, and individuals in Sumner County. The coalition and its staff of experienced professionals in the field envision a healthy, safe, and thriving community free from substance abuse of all kinds, tobacco use, prescription drug abuse, and underage drinking. Find out how the Sumner Prevention Coalition can help you, and you can help the coalition. Visit them online at SumnerCoalition.org. That's SumnerCoalition.org. Did you know that practicing gratitude promotes a positive mindset, strengthens your self-esteem, reduces stress and anxiety, and improves sleep? Hi, Michelle Harbin, certified nutrition coach and owner of Harbin Hollow Local Market here. Being in a state of appreciation is a large part of my daily wellness routine. Since opening Harbin Hollow, I give thanks daily for the many opportunities our little market provides. I'm grateful for the farmers and small batch artisans who share their crops, products, and talents with us. I am grateful for our team and the sense of family we foster. And I am beyond thankful for the Portland community and each of you that continually chooses to shop small and spread the local love. Visit Harbin Hollow Local Market to enjoy local meats, dairy, baked goods, bath and body products, handmade jewelry, and more. Remember, 67 cents of every dollar you spend at a local small business stays right here in our community. Join me in a moment of gratitude for the opportunity to support so many local folks and come see us at 809 North Broadway in Portland to shop local today. No one told them. No one warned them about the house on Willow Lane. What is it? It's the house. It's, it's alive. Here, Looney. Have you seen this energy bill? Ah, this house is robbing us blind! If your house is an energy thief, TVA and your local power company would like to help make your home more efficient and lower your bills. To learn more, visit energyrights.com. We're CEMC. The Portland Sun is our local hometown newspaper where we can find out all the news about our friends, neighbors, businesses, schools, churches, and everything going on in our area. Every week, the latest issue of The Sun is full of the news we want and need, and it's only $20 a year for a subscription to get it mailed directly to your home. The Portland Sun, our hometown newspaper. For a subscription, call 615-384-6212 or go to theportlandsun.com online and click on the word subscribe. Welcome back, Portland and Sumner County. This is the Loyal Opposition. I'm your host, Lena Santi, and you're listening to WQKR Portland's radio station. It is 83 degrees and sunny at the Portland Municipal Airport. Stay cool out there, everybody. The time is 5.19 p.m. All right, before we get to our guests, I just want to make one quick comment. Um, thinking about changing my intro to the show to say, welcome to the loyal opposition. I'm Lenisanti, Sumner County's most hated broadcaster. Hey, why? Well, because they're... Uh, Gotta, of course, you've got to have a thick skin in show business, right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, of course, some of the uh, vitriol running around on the social media about this show has caught my attention uh, and has caught the attention of those people who, you know, look out on those websites for me. Uh, and I'm like, hey, well, it's good radio. You're, that means you're listening. and That means we're doing good work here. And uh, that's what we want. We want people to listen. We want people to think about it. We want people to agree, disagree. At least we want people thinking. Right. However, personal attacks, um, I don't believe, serve any purpose. Uh, and uh, statements such as every time a liberal opens his mouth, nothing but crap comes out of it. 
if I'm getting sorry, FCC, if I'm not allowed to say that word on the radio, uh, that is not advancing the good cause, folks. That is not advancing democracy. That is not good rhetoric. That is not a good development of the arguments for and against typical public policy issues. So, hey, let's be nice out there. You may hate me, but I think I'm a nice guy, so treat me nice. All righty, that's enough for that. Let's get to our guest. Today's guest is Alyssa Hansen. Alyssa Hansen works with the Tennessee AFL-CIO. Let's give a big loyal opposition welcome to Alyssa Hansen. Yay! Alyssa, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Len. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, let's hear a little bit about Alyssa Hansen. Tell us about yourself. Uh, what do you do? What's your education? What's your professional experience? Basically, how did you end up doing the job you're doing today? Sure. Well, the Cliff Notes version is that I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I am the resident Yankee, I guess, if you will, at my office. Um, I went to Ohio. <laughs> I went to Ohio University in Athens, Athens Ohio. Ohio. Yep, home of the Bobcats, not OSU. I had a lot of family members get confused when I graduated from high school, but I am Ohio University. Um, like I said, went to the journalism school there, and then slowly, sort of, made my way further south after graduation. I worked at the NBC affiliate in Evansville for about a year after I graduated, and then my current role at the Tennessee AFL-CIO opened up, which was the communications director at the time. Um, so I moved down here about, oh gosh, nine years ago now, I think. Wow. Um, almost to the week. And um, worked at the council until 2018, then I took a leave. I worked for Governor Bredesen when he ran for the U.S. Senate in 2018, Unfortunately, the outcome of that, um, you know, was not what we had wanted, but... Um, a went, sad outcome that was. Yes, and then went back to the council. Um, I was fortunate enough to still have that role, and then have sort of just assumed more responsibilities over the years. I'm also the political director and a lobbyist as well. Wow, awesome. Lots of hats. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay, uh, you're obviously pro-labor. Um, how'd you get there? Family and unions, personal experience, just think it's the right thing to do. I am actually a fourth generation union member. All right. Um, believe it or not. So starting with my great grandfather and then my grandfather and my uncle and now me. So that's kind of the fun fact, I guess, that not a lot of folks know is that, yes, I'm a fourth generation union member. So growing up, I really got to see the union difference in action. I mean, my mom was the first in, you know, that side of the family to go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she had a very just solid upbringing. My grandfather made a good living as a construction worker, worked his way up to being the president of Laborers Local 1058 in Pittsburgh. My uncle's still very much involved with the laborers. So, like I said, growing up, I really got to see the union difference, um, not so, just hear about it, but see it. So when they say the uh, unions helped create the American middle class, you, you lived that. Yes. You were there. You I saw that in action. Absolutely. Right? I lived it. My family lived it. Um, it's the real deal. The reason why so many trade jobs are excellent careers these days is because unions built them to what they are. Absolutely. Right? And, you know, that's one of the biggest things that we tell folks is, you know, college isn't the only option. There's so many other exactly. things that you can do. And, you know, the trades provide, you know, just a fantastic um, stepping stone into the middle class for folks. You were chatting earlier and you said that um, uh, you were kind of surprised at the anti-union rhetoric that greeted you when you arrived in the South. Um, and obviously labor has become a very partisan issue. Uh, and But it wasn't always that way, was it? No, it wasn't. And it's kind of sad. Well, not kind of. It is sad that it's it's become that and that it's, you know, seem to solely become just something Democrats talk about. I mean, right. things like good wages, good benefits, um, being able to retire with dignity, those shouldn't be partisan issues. And it seems like really within, I'd say the past, you know, 10 to 15 years, it's definitely kind of skewed that way. But yeah. again, I mean, this is just, this isn't something that, you know, folks should feel one way or about or another, feel about one way or another based on their party. Um, you know, these are very right. nonpartisan issues. Exactly. And, you know, and, and when I was younger and before I moved to the South, I mean, there was such a thing as pro-labor Republicans, mm -hmm. right? And, Absolutely. And there was, and, and more than just a few. I mean, it was a significant amount of the party. Um, you know, because basically, uh, if you believe a strong middle class is good for the economy and for the security of our nation, uh, then, you know, you should be pro-labor, 
right? <laughs> and, and obviously, I, I think Republicans want a strong economy, and they want a secure nation. And a, a secure nation, I think, requires a strong economy and a diverse economic base. And that's something unions have been fighting for since the beginning. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And it's, you know, if you go to the Tennessee General Assembly, I know we'll talk about this later, but you don't hear any Republicans talk about those things. Or they will talk about it, but then they won't mention the credit that unions deserve for making that possible. Exactly. Exactly. Um, do, you, do you have any insight on what's going to be happening out in West Tennessee when the Ford plants are being built? <laughs> That's going to be actually huge. Um, Ford's obviously got a very long-standing relationship um, with the United Auto Workers. Mm-hmm. They're going to bring thousands of good-paying union jobs to West Tennessee, and obviously the mega site's been trying to land, you know, somebody for, for years and years. So yes. this is huge. Um, this really is going to be a game changer for West Tennessee. And again, I mean, those jobs with good wages, you can thank unions for that. All right. Thank you, union worker. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, and, you know, and, and uh, Ford, among the other auto work, automakers, I mean, they consider the relationship with the unions when it's a good relationship to be a part, more of a partnership than mm-hmm. an adversarial relationship um, because they are working together to make good, high-quality products. Uh, So uh, the most popular vehicle in the world is a Ford pickup truck, the Ford F-150, and those are made by union workers. So if you drive a Ford F-150 out there, folks, uh, just remember, your truck was made by union labor, uh, and the reason it's the best truck, as many people argue it's the best truck, uh, is because of who helps build them. Okay. All right. Uh, I should mention, I've known Alyssa on and off for the past (laughs) few years, campaigning stuff, reticent campaign, other political things over the the course of years. And uh, I'm always always impressed by uh, the folks who I meet who are paid campaign workers. I've been volunteering for political campaigns since, uh, you know, for over 20 years now. Um, But the people who work on campaigns, the paid political operatives, campaign managers, the directors, the, the people who run field and volunteers and all that. I've, I've always been impressed with two things uh, about those people. Number one, their commitment to the cause. Uh, and number two, just how hard they work. How hard they work. Uh, and it seems in your case, at least, that might come from a union upbringing, huh? Oh, part of it, I think. I'm also very type A, so it might be a healthy combination uh, of, of the a, two. You get a lot of that in campaigns, <laughs> yes. You definitely get a lot of that in campaigns. I'm not as much of that kind of person. and I'm like, But, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of that kind of frenetic energy mm-hmm. in political campaigns, which I'm constantly impressed with. And, and I'm talking about campaigns on both sides of the aisle. You know, Republicans have their type A's on their campaigns as well. <laughs> Uh, so some, some good people are involved in the political process. And that's a very, very small number of Americans. I, I've read once that it's some tiny percentage of Americans are actually involved in the political process in some way, either, mm-hmm. either being an office holder or you know, um, uh, working for a campaign or volunteering for a campaign um, or donating to a political campaign. Uh, and, you know, and it was, I mean, you know, would you... I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything, would you? No. I mean, looking back, um, I definitely wouldn't at the time. I think it was, you know, by this point in 2018, I was starting to go, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. You know, I wanted to be November. It is a game for the young. I it will is. Say that. It is. But, you know, the, the Bredesen campaign was actually my first campaign. So it, wow. it truly was baptism by fire for me. Um, but, I mean, it was an experience that, like you were saying, I wouldn't change for So your for first campaign was a statewide campaign that – raised millions that had at least that ran ads in at least four tv markets i think so that sounds right okay um so yeah that really was you jumped right into the frying pan didn't you pretty much oh yes (laughs) you got another one in you oh i don't know give me give me a little more recovery time i'm at four years i might need a little bit more (laughs) exactly it does take time all right listen we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to get into the meat of the matter we're going to talk about amendment number one this is wqkr you're listening to the loyal opposition i'm len asante at the farmer's bank we want to be your bank for life we work hard to bring you the products and services that will meet your financial needs no matter where life may take you whether you're saving for college ready for retirement getting ready to marry 
or celebrating your golden anniversary, we're here for you. Visit us online at thefarmersbank.net or at any of our 11 area locations to learn more about how the Farmers Bank can be your bank for life. The Farmers Bank, equal housing lender, member FDIC. And away they go. Live horse racing action at the FanDuel Meet at Kentucky Downs begins Thursday, September 1st. Watch and wager as thoroughbreds take to the turf course in nearby Franklin, Kentucky. Your chance to participate in the pageantry and pick a winner. There are only seven racing days. Free general admission or book your spot in the pavilion today. See themintgaming.com for all the details. Kentucky Downs, Franklin, Kentucky, just off I-65. If you're looking for a job or a better job, we have good news for you. Habilitation and Training Services, better known as HATS, is looking for direct support professionals, DSP, to work alongside adults with intellectual disabilities by assisting them with community integration, community employment, and activities of daily living in a residential setting. It's a specialized field, but prior experience isn't required. It's a job that's rewarding and meaningful and offers great benefits, including paid time off, health, dental, and life insurance, a retirement program, and longevity pay. And in addition to all that, every night when your day is over, you know you've helped people to have a better life. What a great feeling. What a great job. HATS offers full-time, part-time, and PRN positions for various shifts in Portland, Gallatin, and Springfield. For more information, call 615-575-1030. That's 615-575-1030. Or go online to HATSTN.org. HATSTN.org. This is a rare opportunity to have a job you love and help other people who need your help. Make the call today, 615-575-1030. You'll be glad you did. It's time again for Panther football. And Graphic Obsessions has all your Panther gear for the season. Right off the rack or get custom printed shirts and hoodies with your favorite player's name and number custom printed and delivered fast. Shop where the Panthers shop. Graphic Obsessions, 105 South Broadway, open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5, or visit our Facebook page. Shop small, shop local, shop Portland Panthers at Graphic Obsessions. Worry about the weather? Want to know when a bad storm is on the way, even a tornado? If you're a resident of Portland, you can sign up for the Code Red Weather Alert program, a free service of the city of Portland. Once you sign up, you'll get emergency messages by telephone or email whenever there's an emergency, including evacuation notices, weather, bioterrorism alerts. To sign up, just go to the City of Portland website, www.cityofportlandtn.gov, or call City Hall at 325-6776. Welcome back. This is the Loyal Opposition. I'm your host, Len Asante, and you're listening to WQKR in Portland, Tennessee. It is 82 degrees and sunny at the Portland Municipal Airport. Okay, um, more with uh, Alyssa Hansen, Political and Communications Director for the Tennessee AFL-CIO. Uh, first, a quick shout-out to uh, Mike from Gallatin. Uh, Mike from Gallatin chimed in and said uh, both of his kids went to... OU, All right. the one in Ohio, not Oklahoma, and got excellent, <laughs> received excellent education. So, hey, shout out to all you OU alums and friends out there. <laughs> all right, uh, trivia question time for you. You know, we usually do a, little, we do a little game of some kind here. This week's trivia, this day in media history, on this day, 25 years ago, August 31st, 1997, Something big happened related to news in the media. First person to chime in with the answer wins absolutely nothing. But my endearing admiration for your ability to search Google really quickly. (laughs) All right, so uh, at Loyal Oppo on Facebook or text me if you know me and let me know what happened on this day, August 31st, 1997. We'll let you know after the next break. Okay, back with Alyssa Hansen. All right, so tell us about Amendment 1. Uh, obviously, uh, you just handed me a bunch of stuff that says vote no on Amendment 1. Uh, so we are opposed to Amendment 1 here. And so, first of all, I think before we decide whether we're for it or against it, 
We should know what it says. What is Amendment 1? What does that mean? What do we get to decide? Sure. So Amendment 1 is one of four proposed constitutional amendments that will be on the ballot statewide in November. So all voters are going to see this. Doesn't matter which of the 95 counties you live in, you will be tasked with voting on this. And what Amendment 1 does is it enshrines, it would enshrine if passed, Tennessee's right to work law into the state constitution. Okay, what is a right to work law? People say we are a right to work state. What does that mean? So it sounds great, obviously, it does. but great. I was going to say the word. I want to work. The wording is 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 that way for a reason. Um, of course. Yeah, it's. <laughs> we'll get into that too. Um, no, so right to work laws originated in the Jim Crow era, um, and their their goal back then, and even still today, but especially back when they originated, was to keep workers of color from having equal rights. Right. Um, there's over two dozen states that still have these laws on the books. Tennessee is one of them. And in right to work states, we can get more into the weeds if we need to, but in right to work states, traditionally, wages are lower, workplaces are, are less safe. Um, I'm trying to think there's there's so many different things, um, you know, disadvantages, um, you know, there's not as much access to health care, public sure. education, things like benefits. that. Benefits. Thank okay. you. Right. So Tennessee is trying to inscribe a law that was designed to be discriminatory in nature into the state constitution. Yes, and Tennessee's law has existed since 1947, so that's 75 years. It's a 75-year-old law. And this is really, well, it is the first time that there's ever been a push to enshrine it. I mean, even when Democrats were in control, um, you know, there, there was never a push to, to repeal the law. So it's kind of strange that, that the supermajority has been pushing for this, you know, right now when there's, there's never been any kind of serious effort to repeal the law. Any, any ideas about why? I mean, why is it now? Why has it come up? I mean, I, I have a, a thought, which, of course, is conspiratorial in nature, but do you? <laughs> Well, I was going to say our opposition would say a lot of it has to do with Washington and trying to, you know, outlaw right to work nationwide. Um, frankly, that's not really a thing that's happening. Um, they're referring to the PRO Act, which is a piece of federal legislation that's right. currently stalled in the U.S. Senate. Um, and the chances of that passing are, frankly, just slim to none. Right. Once something is stalled in a Senate that's tied 50-50, it's, it, it's not going to get unstalled. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Okay, so uh, Amendment 1 would enshrine Tennessee's currently existing right-to-work law into the Constitution. Why is it significant that it goes into the Constitution as opposed to just remaining a law? I mean, if, it, if there's a law, then aren't we blessed with whatever benefits that we're supposed to have from that law? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, the fact that it would be in the Constitution, not only would it make it harder to... Ah, of course. You know, change it. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. to change it later on. But I think what it also does is it gives the groups that are pushing this and the, the supermajority sort of the green light to go, okay, we can go ahead and do, you know, do more now. We can pass even more anti-worker legislation. And what it does is it really solidifies, you know, Tennessee status as a right-to-work state and says, you know, look at how great we are. We're proud of our, our low wages and our low union membership. Um, yes, because that makes it a pro-business state. That's exactly right. Pro-business Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. I think I think the supermajority on the one hand is is giving himself a giving businesses a boost on one hand by doing stuff like this, but on the other hand, they're also passing all sorts of laws that I think are discriminatory and might shy people and businesses from wanting to come to Tennessee. Uh, and you know, we we certainly are not a, being a, a, you know showing up in the national media as a welcoming progressive place where we want you know where people from the West Coast or the East Coast would want to move, right? Um, if I'm a business owner, you know, and uh, I have hundreds of employees working for me, do I want to go to a state where, uh, you know, I know some of my workers are not going to be welcome, mm -hmm. where I know that laws that were built out of the Jim Crow era are enshrined in the Constitution, uh, where protect, where, where health care is much more difficult to get than anywhere mm -hmm. else, uh, where 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 the majority, the supermajority has, has enacted policies that have actually helped more hospitals close than yeah. open, right? and who's turned down literally billions of dollars for, of health care money. Um, this doesn't seem very pro-business to me in the end. 
Which is kind of funny because one of the three groups that's sort of leading the charge to push it is the NFIB, the National Federation National of Independent, Independent Businesses. Business. Yes. And it seems to me that they're, um, they're taking a short-term view, but long-term, and of course we know long-term, the country has consistently moved in a progressive direction. Uh, so eventually people are going to look back on this error and think, what the heck were they thinking about, <laughs> right? Um, but... Uh, I guess the goal of the opposition is to slow down that as much as possible, mm -hmm. make that happen far into the future, uh, as opposed to uh, radical change sooner. Okay. Um, so we know what a right-to-work state is. We know what Amendment 1 is. Um, we know that a strong middle class is good for the economy and good for our nation as a whole. And we know one of the ways that we have a strong middle class is to have uh, workers who are paid well and have good benefits and good health care uh, because you know workers with no health care or bad, bad health care just become a burden on the rest of us right so that ends up costing us more in the money in the end as well so all this sounds good um, but yet uh, the supermajority thinks it's a great idea uh, why should we oppose it why should we be against it what's 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 in it for me I have a job I have health care benefits um, I have just a few years to retirement, so, you know, I don't really have a dog in this hunt, but mm -hmm. why should I care anyway? I think there's several reasons why folks should care. Um, the first being that our Constitution is a, a sacred document. I mean, the current version has only been amended, gosh, I want to say less than a dozen times um, really? since the 1870s, I believe. I need to double-check myself on that, but it's 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 rarely amended, um, and, I mean, it's it's... It's a sacred document. There, there's no need to amend the Constitution for every single item on a political party's wish list, Republican or Democrat, um, to be frank. Um, and again, I think another reason is just that, you know, these corporate special interest groups, these big business interests, these greedy politicians, they already have so much influence at the General Assembly and in our state. I mean, you walk into any fundraiser, you see these same folks over and over. Those are the donors. Those are the people that could influence our state leaders to get things done. They've already got so much influence in our state and power, and working families need to have that, too. Well, what's the difference? You said you're a lobbyist. You know, you, you, you're lobbying for the working people. Are you not on even footing with those other lobbyists? Absolutely not. How so? <laughs> I was going to say, there's um, being able to get meetings with some legislators. Um, some people won't even talk to you. Some really. people will not even talk to us. Mm -hmm. um, as a lobbyist, uh, our members help pay my salary. I don't rake right. in hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I don't lobby for corporate special interest groups. I lobby for the working families of Tennessee. So our clientele is a little bit different. Right. I mean, so you're at a, there's not, all the voices coming at the General Assembly are not equally loud and clear. Not at all. So. Not right. at all. Well, that's a, that's a small piece of a much bigger puzzle that I think we probably <laughs> need to work on. I would right? agree, yes. Um, but too much for <laughs> this one remaining amount of time in this one little <laughs> show. Okay. Uh, okay, so we should oppose it. All right, uh, because right to work certainly sounds good, but it ends up hurting people. Uh, a question came in over the Facebook page, and the question basically is, is there any data out there comparing how workers are doing in states where there are right to work laws versus where there are not that you are aware of? There is, or there are, I guess. That would be correct grammar. Um, <laughs> I would direct folks, just because I don't have it in front of me, um, if they go to our website, which is tnaflcio.org, we've actually got in our talking points a list of sort of the differences um, between wages, health insurance, union membership, things like that. Um, so without saying something incorrect off the top of my head, I would direct folks to go to, to tnaflcio.com. Dot org. Yeah. Dot org. I'm dot sorry. Org. Dot org. Yep. Yeah. My mistake. Dot org. T-N-A-F-L-C-I-O dot org. And you can find the talking mm -hmm. points there. Okay. Um, excellent. Thank you. Uh, it seems obvious what, from our discussion so far that, that unions in Tennessee are, have a bad rap. Okay. Yeah. There are obviously unionized workers in Tennessee. There are some right here in Portland. Uh, I'm a unionized worker. Uh, yep. There's 2,200 people in my local. Uh, so... There are people who obviously are pro-union, but who are in unions, but it seems like overall unions get a really bad rap in Tennessee. Why do you think that is? Why do people feel negatively about unions? What's sort of the other side? If, there was, if, if the Republican lobbyist was sitting next to you, what would they say? 
I think one of the things they would say, honestly, and it's kind of funny, is that, oh, all, all of our membership is left-leaning, you know, far left-leaning Democrats, and that could not be further from the truth. Oh, gosh, no. I've met um, some of your I've I was some union say, workers yeah. in Tennessee. I mean, we're, you know, <laughs> we're a nonpartisan organization. Um, do we traditionally tend to lean Democrat? Of course we do. Um, but we've got members all across the political spectrum with all different kinds of views. Um, so, again, that's, you know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions, but also, Len, you know, you and I were talking earlier. I mean, if you go up to the Tennessee General Assembly and you listen to some of the committee meetings or you listen to the floor debate, you'll have, you know, Republican after Republican get up and say how proudly pro-business they are and just have these glowing, I mean, just things to say about business groups. Um, You don't hear that about unions. You don't hear that about workers. We're lucky to get, you know, a foot in the door, let alone something nice said about well, us. Well, I mean, you know, and then every time there's an attempt to unionize, I mean, the uh, anti-union tactics mm-hmm. are, I would say, sometimes borderline illegal. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at what happened, happened in, in, in Vol- I was right? just going to say with Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Yep. I mean, you know, that was uh, that was tampering. And then you've got, well, now former rep Robin Smith down in Hickson, you know, yes. This past legislative session, disgraced disgraced former rep, you know, she had a piece of legislation that was going to try to outlaw um, secret ballot elections. I mean, just these are matters that that should be left up to employers and employees. The government does not need to get involved. Well, let me let me ask you this directly, then. Is it possible to be both pro-business and pro-worker? That's a good question. I think you can be. Um, you know, our president, for instance, I think would be a good example of that. He comes out of, of Morris in Tennessee in the Bridgestone Tire plant down there. And he's even said, you know, we're fortunate. We work with one of the best companies in the world. And, you know, they've had a fairly good relationship with them. Um, you know, another example probably would be Ford. I mean, you again, you look at the longstanding relationship they have with sure. the UAW. Um, and, I, and, that, and that might help Tennesseans because, mm-hmm. you know, in a couple of years, that Ford plant is going to be up and running and yep. they're going to see... Literally thousands of union workers, you know, building fantastically technologically advanced electric automobiles and electric and, and batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to see the, a positive working relationship, we hope, between uh, Ford itself and the UAW. Maybe that'll go a little way to changing some people's minds. Well, and we've got union workers, I should note building, you know, building out that infrastructure right. as so we speak. I mean, it's right. They're there on the ground. <laughs> yep. right? Those those people are union workers already mm-hmm. uh, building the right. So yep. uh, all those folks in I think that's Haywood County. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Right. Those folks in rural Haywood County hopefully are getting a positive experience working with those union folks who hopefully are spending money in local stores and whatnot and building the economy. All right. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting the look. I'm getting the look from my uh, producer here, so we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we will finish up with uh, Alyssa Hansen, Tennessee AFL-CIO. You are listening to The Loyal Opposition. I'm Lena Santi. This is WQKR. What does Kasasa mean to you? If you have a checking account, Kasasa means free banking. That's right. Kasasa Cash and Kasasa Saver are free, reward-based accounts offered only at Volunteer State Bank. No minimum balance to earn the rewards, no monthly service fee, free online banking, and nationwide ATM fee refunds. It's a free checking account that rewards Volunteer State Bank customers with high interest for every month you qualify. Available only at Volunteer State Bank. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Want to add a new look to your kitchen with an appliance package? Stop at D.T. McCall & Sons, located at 1220 Scottsville Road in Lafayette, Tennessee. The Samsung package includes a refrigerator at $22.99.99, stainless range $8.99.99, stainless dishwasher $7.99.99, and a 19-cubic-foot microwave at $2.99.99, all for only $3,614.99 after mail-in rebate. Need a freezer to store all your summer produce? Purchase a 20-foot Frigidaire frost-free garage ready for only $9.99.99. New shipment GE washers, $5.99.99. Dryers, $5.69.99. Stationary fusion sofas, $7.99.99. Serving militancy for over 100 years. Free delivery and recycling within 125 miles of Carthage, Tennessee. Stop by today. DT McCall and Sons at 1220 Scottsville Road in Lafayette, Tennessee. Hey! WQKR! 
In the Portland, Gallatin, Hendersonville, and Springfield area, you'll find the perfect vehicle for your lifestyle at Reiselman Buick GMC, 2516 Memorial Boulevard in Springfield. Hello, WQKR listeners. This is Courtney Reiselman from Reiselman Buick GMC, and thanks to you, we're the fastest-growing dealership in the Nashville area. Here's the thing. Our goal is every customer, every time. Our name is Buick GMC, yet we buy pre-owned vehicles all over the country. Mercedes, Toyota, Honda, just let us know, and we'll find it. Did you know our collision and body shop is top rated? Bring it to us, and we'll fix it right the first time. Todd, I, and the team thank you for your support and appreciate your business. We look forward to seeing you. In the Portland, Gallatin, Hendersonville, and Springfield area, you'll find the perfect vehicle for your lifestyle at Reiselman Buick GMC. Open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. until 7.30 p.m. and 8 till 6 on Saturday at 2516 Memorial Boulevard in Springfield. Sumner Regional Medical Center believes that every person has the right to dignity, respect, and compassion as we journey through the cycle of life. That's why they have created High Point Hospice to assure that our loved ones will receive the necessary support to allow us to do so. At High Point Hospice, our team of doctors, nurses, hospice aides, social workers, chaplains, and volunteers will walk by your side, offering support, providing symptom management, and answering questions to bring comfort and peace to you and your loved ones. For more information about High Point Hospice, call 328-6690 or visit them online at highpointhospice.com. That's 328-6690, or visit them online at highpointhospice.com. Hey, join me, Kenny Mann, right here on the queue for Wednesday night's Triple Play Sports. It's every Wednesday, and Elijah Jacobs, Phil Tucker, that's Triple Play, and it's right here on the queue. Man, we're talking sports. You don't want to miss it. See you there. Planet Fitness Triple Play Sports. Every Wednesday night from 6 until 9 on WQKR. Broadcast live and on location from Planet Fitness in downtown Portland. Welcome back, Portland. Uh, you're listening to the Loyal Opposition here on WQKR-FM. We are, we are, we are talking strategy for the next uh, triple play sports golf, golf tournament. <laughs> uh, anyway, actually, triple play sports will be up next after you get done listening to me complain about various things. Uh, hey, uh, we got a correct answer on the uh, trivia question. Uh, what happened on August 31st, 1997? Uh, that was the death of Princess Diana of Wales. Uh, she died in an automobile accident in Paris at the age of 36. And this is a big media event because at first the paparazzi, the photojournalists that follow her around and follow celebrities in general around, were at first thought to be the cause of the accident, but it turned out not to be the case. Uh, actually, there have, been, there have been countries that have changed their laws about what paparazzi are allowed to do as a result of that uh, that accident. So, uh, Diana, one of the world's most popular people at that time, um, 25 years ago today. May may she rest in peace. Okay. Hey, uh, while we were um, while we were on break, we had the uh, WQKR, the Loyal Opposition Research Team, in action, <laughs> digging through reams of statistics and census data and obscure texts and websites. And we got some statistics to help answer Mike in Hendersonville, I'm sorry, Mike in Gallatin's question about comparing comparative data between workers in right-to-work states and workers in not right-to-work states. Alyssa, what have you got for us? I'll just give a few, but as a former reporter, like I said, I didn't want to give inaccurate information. I couldn't do that. So this is from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Workers in right-to-work states usually make about $9,000 less annually than workers in other states. Median household income is about 15% lower in right-to-work states. Um, States with right-to-work laws, about 30% of the jobs are in low-wage occupations, and Tennessee actually leads the country um, in the number of minimum-wage jobs that we have. Hey, we're number one. Workplace death is about 41% higher in right-to-work states, and about 13% of the population um, is below the poverty line in right-to-work states. So those are some of the 
greatest hits, I guess, if you will. But I would still direct folks. If they want to learn more, check out our website. We've got a lot more. But those are the, the greatest hits, if you will. The greatest hits, obviously, yes. So, uh, you know, the uh, supermajority likes to talk about how Tennessee is one of the most well-run states and one of the most pro-business states. But it certainly seems that comes at the expense of some of our workers, especially those at the lower end of the wage scale. We have more workers per per capita than any other state? Is that what your statistics showed? Yes, and we also take, if not the most money from the federal government, um, we're right in the top states that take the most money. It, exactly. So, yep. We're also right in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, and for folks, if you, don't, if you don't know what this is, basically uh, this is computed every year. Uh, every state's tax contribution to the federal government is calculated, and then what every state gets in direct aid from the federal government is calculated, and those two numbers are compared. Uh, and you are either sort of a giver state or a receiver state. And a giver state gives more money than they get back. And a receiver state receives more money uh, than they put in. And that's where Tennessee is. We are definitely in the receiver state category. We get a lot more money from the federal government uh, than we put into it. However, I would say we're probably number one at complaining about how high our taxes are. (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) Okay, let's sum up uh, Amendment 1. We're getting a little off the beaten track here. It's not something that's unusual here at the loyal opposition, but, hey, we're trying to minimize as we grow into this show. Okay, We've been talking, folks, today about Amendment 1 and uh, why it's not a good thing. And basically, Amendment Amendment 1 wants to enshrine a Jim Crow-era law into our state constitution uh, that uh, we call the right-to-work state. What what does that law tell us? What does the right-to-work law say? That right-to-work law basically says we're a low-wage state and we're proud of it. (laughs) We're a low-wage state and we're (laughs) proud of it. Okay. In terms of unionizing, it doesn't make unionizing illegal in Tennessee, does it? No, but it makes it more difficult. How Um, so? It makes it more difficult for workers to come together. Um, Proponents of Amendment 1 love to say that, oh, this is about worker freedom, and workers need to choose whether or not they want to belong. Well, federal law already makes it illegal to force someone to join a union, so that argument's not really valid. Right, if, right, exactly. There is no there is no law anywhere that says you must join a union. No. Right? That is no one is twisting your arm you know, twisting your arm to do that. Okay, so basically it's designed to make unionization more difficult. In a state where the union membership is only about nine percent. Yes, only that's correct. 9%. Okay. <laughs> um, do you know what a more typical state might be in terms of unionized workers in terms of percentage? Not off the top of my mm-hmm. head, but that's okay. one of the things that I think is so just surreal about this is that they're they're trying to enshrine a law that really only affects less than 10 percent of the workforce right. uh, but it's also a, a law that i think and, and this is where we get a little straying from facts and more towards <laughs> my horrible opinions is that uh this law also sounds like something that is sounds really good to the supermajority's base. It does. Um, Get them to vote for, vote for them come election time. Look what I did. It does. I mean, and frankly, though, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. We've obviously talked. We've got a lot more pressing issues facing Tennessee, and enshrining right to work is not one of them. Right, because it already is. The law already exists. Okay, well, I'm getting the fingers <laughs> swirled at me, which means we're just about out of time. So thank you, everyone, for listening in to another fantastic episode of The Loyal Opposition. I want to thank Alyssa Hansen from the Tennessee AFL-CIO for joining us today. Uh, Real quick, Alyssa, real quick, if Mm -hmm. if someone wants to get involved in the Amendment 1 movement, the Vote No (laughs) on Amendment 1, what can they do? Sure. The first thing I would encourage them to do is just go to our website. That's TN, as in Tennessee, AFLCIO.org. There's a digital toolkit, all kinds of information about why they should vote no on Amendment 1. There's my contact information. They can reach out to me. We'll get them connected, get them involved. Excellent. That's great. All right. So uh, this is WQKR, Radio Portland, Tennessee. You've been listening to The Loyal Opposition. Next up, Triple Play Sports. We will see you next week. Good night, everybody. In Portland, your auto parts headquarters is Napa, locally owned and operated and conveniently located at 419 North Broadway. Napa specials this month include Napa Full Synthetic and Full Synthetic High Mile Motor Oil, 5 gallons for $22.49 or $4.99 a quart. Craftsman 51-piece gunmetal chrome mechanics tool set. Save $30, now just $59.99. Plus many other great August specials. Friendly hometown service. People who know and want to help. That's Napa No